1: Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Kate Child. She's the author of Secrets of the Oak Woodlands, Plants and Animals Among California's Oaks. Kate, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. It's grand to have you, and I know that one of your favorite words is topophilia.
2: What does that mean, and why is it a favorite word? Well, topophilia means love of place or even strong love of place. And I learned this word from Scott Sampson, who is a dinosaur paleontologist and a museum curator, and an advocate for people being more deeply connected to the natural world. And he states in his book, How to Raise a Wild Child, that topophilia is the key to restoring sustainability in the world. He believes that there's actually a genetic bias toward the survival of people who experience topophilia. If you bond with the same place for a number of years in childhood, you will have adaptive advantages for survival. He's kind of thrown the gauntlet out to the science community to say, prove me wrong. This, this is what I believe to be true. And he maintains that if a child bonds with a place in childhood, they will um, end up with greater physical, mental, and emotional health. And I certainly experienced that myself.
1: I just saw a movie which came out in two thousand, late 2017. It was called Lion, and it was about a little boy in India who was taken very, very, very far away from his home as a very young child and ended up actually in Australia being adopted. And it's based on some fact. And it's about his going back to his home ground, and his trying to find his home ground because he could barely even remember the name of it. In fact, he mispronounced it, and he couldn't find it on a map, but finally he finds it. And in watching that movie, what struck me the most about it was that need to go back to our home ground, and when we get back there— the feeling that we have, which is almost beyond description,
2: mm-hmm.
1: if we bonded with it early on, then there's some feeling. Would, would you agree with that? Is that something that you've experienced?
2: I have. I can't go back to where I grew up. The house has been sold and totally remodeled, and it wouldn't give me the same feeling. I don't know. I haven't tried going back to the Malibu Hills to see if hiking around in them creates that feeling in me. But when I was a child, three different times at least, my family went camping in the Wawona campground at Yosemite, and there was a very special spot where we camped we were separated from all the other campgrounds and there was a the the rocks in the river were sculpted with holes that went all the way through so that you could dive under them and come out the other side. They they were just they were like tunnels, beautiful huh? uh, vertical tunnels mm-hmm. like potholes. And there was a slide that we used to slide down that was slippery rock and then we'd go over this tiny little waterfall and dive underneath one of these big boulders and come up the middle. And this summer I went to Wawona with my sister and we looked for that spot. And it's no longer a campsite, but we found it. And it was really special because there wasn't anybody else there. And we would spend hours there by ourselves. I said to my sister, this is my spiritual home. That's beautiful, beautiful. Is it ever too late to bond with a certain place? Well, that's what I was going to say. I have experienced tremendous topophilia in the place I live now, where I've been living for 16 years. And so I think that you can acquire it as an adult. And one of the things that Scott Sampson recommends is uh, having a sit spot, the same place that you go regularly, and that it's important not just to go on a hike here and a hike there and lots of different places, but to Get to know the same plot of ground, not necessarily a tiny plot of ground, but the same general area really well. And to know its animals and its plants and its lichens and its fungi and how they change during the seasons and what how they're affected when it's cold and what how they change over time.
1: you know, I recall some time ago we interviewed John Lane. He was from, I believe, South Carolina or northern Georgia, and he talked about to take a topo map and to do a one-mile radius and to really get to know that landscape in all ways, know its history, know its ecological history, know the species there, know the weather, know the industry, know the native peoples that were there before.
2: Yes, that's a great idea. And what I thought of when you were talking about that was that the native Californians who lived in the Bay Area, there were lots and lots of different groups with mutually unintelligible languages. And there were so many that they had very small homelands, they were called. And they had to know their homeland intimately in order to be able to continue living there. They had to know how everything worked together, how the plants and animals depended on each other, how they affected them if they harvested something, for instance, in order to keep everything in balance so that that homeland could continue to sustain them. And that was the ultimate proof of topophilia, I think. Right.
1: So how should we first go about learning about our own ecological landscape?
2: Well, if people live in cities, I recommend that they pick a park with native plants within the city or a place on the edges of the city and go back to that same place over and over and over again. Walk it, know its boundaries, walk slowly and spend some of your time sitting or being still anyway because it's only when you're still that the birds, for instance, will show themselves again and just start going about their chores or the squirrels. If you want to see them living their lives the way they do when you're not there, then you have to end up kind of blending into the landscape. So you have to have time. You have to really make time for this. Don't plan on this being your exercise time. It doesn't work to walk fast. You advertise yourself a mile away so everybody will hide and don't have earbuds in your ears be able to listen to hear the bird's song because a, a bird will often tell you that there's a you know a hawk in the area and so if you start tuning your ears to not just thinking of it as background noise but that every single sound you hear is a clue and a message then that will help you learn. I prefer to go alone so that I'm not engaged in conversation with a friend or I go with a friend who's equally passionate about listening and looking and wandering and wondering and learning. In the city of San Francisco, somewhere near the Tenderloin,
1: in an alleyway, they've made a little Urban forest. They planted a forest and little ponds and so forth and so on, and little wildflowers uh-huh. and gardens. And
2: you can do it in the city too. You can do it in the city, yeah. Yeah. and if you don't find native plants, just get to know whatever is there. Would you suggest that you bring
1: binoculars?
2: Yes. I definitely suggest bringing binoculars, and I always carry a pair of distance binoculars for birds and close-focusing binoculars for insects and spiders and the insides of flowers and dew-covered spider webs and anything like a dragonfly or a butterfly or a lizard that... Would run or fly away if I got too close with my eyes or with a hand lens, which is a tool that b- botanists use. But with close focusing binoculars, you can be standing six feet away or eight feet away and get marvelous detail and and texture. And color and sheen. You see things that you just can't see with the naked eye. So it's really taking the time to really...
1: To look and to listen. (laughs) And that, that leads to that sense of wonder about it all. And, and I want to mention in the book Secrets of the Oak Woodlands, Plants and Animals Among California Oaks. I want to mention that the colored paintings that go along with it that were provided by Anne Meyer-McGlinte are just such a marvelous enhancement to your writing. It's an adventure in itself, I, I want to say. And it's just filled with wonder, I mean, to watch what's going on, even from, as you say, the smallest
2: insects or the smallest little flowers to the large bird songs. Yes, and I just want to say that there is so much more than a name. Don't stop at learning a name. Ask yourself some of those web of life questions. Well, who eats it? What does it use for nest material? Where does it sleep at night? ask questions, know that there is a lot more to know, because every single species is the product of thousands or millions of years of evolution. And almost everything is fascinating in one way or another. It has to be for it to have survived. Every single individual even is a miracle of survival. So Don't stop at a name and don't stop at familiarity. Oaks are familiar to most Californians. Most of us live near oaks, so we take them for granted. Some people even consider them trash trees. But they themselves are fascinating and they support the most diverse ecosystem on land in the state of California. The intertidal zone is very diverse too. But the oaks are home to more diversity and more abundance of individuals of species than any other ecosystem type in California. So if you see a bird, just know that that bird has a story. It has an intimate life. It might have relationships with other members of its species or with other entirely different species. An oak, for instance, has relationships with a cast of up to 100 different kinds of fungus in the course of its life with which it exchanges nutrients the the fungus supply the oaks with up to a hundred times more nutrients than they can glean on their own and in the return the oaks give 20 percent of the sugars that they produce through photosynthesis to the fungi and we don't see this so you can't know it unless you start asking questions which is what scientists do and then we can benefit from what the scientists have figured out.
1: Well, your enthusiasm is <laughs> contagious kate i I want to thank you so much for being part of the new dimensions cafe today you are very welcome it has been a pleasure augustine thank you i've been speaking with Kate Marionchild and she spells her name kate k a t Marionchild, m a r i a n c h i l d Marion child You can go to her website, katemarianchild.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. She is the author of Secrets of the Oak Woodlands, Plants and Animals Among California Oaks. I'm Justine willis toms I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again.
0: You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe.